Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Good to have you here with us again, folks. We are getting into a franchise this evening, and boy, is it a doozy of a trilogy. Nothing this bonkers, probably since we covered the It's Alive trilogy. <laughs> Tonight, we are talking about Basket Case 1. Two and three. Yay! Yeah, yeah. So um, let's go around. Initial impressions, background, uh, professor. Um, I had seen all three of them before. Um, these repeat viewings did not change my opinion of any of those particular entries. Uh, I'll leave it at that for now. Very good. I had never seen any of these before. However, I was always aware of them because Basket Case, the first one, was a video store shelf staple. I think that everybody was familiar with that that cover. Um, so again, I'd never seen it, but when it was assigned for the podcast, I was happy to watch it just because it was so iconic and I had never seen it. Um, I saw all of them when they, um, I feel like part one, I probably just saw like late eighties, um, before I ever You're sure you didn't see that when you were four years old at the theater? I might have. (laughs) You walked down to the local multiplex cinema. Um, I have a feeling that we didn't play that around where we lived. Um, and then, uh, two and three, I I worked at a video store when they came out. So I was familiar with those. Um, I don't think I feel much different watching them now, although I kind of forgot all about the, what the third movie was till rewatching it. Ooh. Boy. All right. Uh, this was my first time around with all three. Um, and I got to say, I really enjoyed the first film. So let's get into the first film, Basket Case, Dates and Details. Who's got them? 1982, written and directed by... Frank Hennenlotter. There you go. Who brought us other wonderful treats? Such such as as Basket Case (laughs) 2. Basket Case (laughs) 3. Franken Hooker. Brain Damage. And yeah, Brain Damage. One of my favorites, which has a cameo of Basket Case in it. Um, Starring Kevin Van Hententrick. Hententrick. Roll with it. Hit uh, Rick, yeah. As Dwayne Bradley, uh, Beverly Bonner as Casey, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And I only bring up uh, Beverly's name because she pops up in the in two and three. All right, for Shizzle. 
Uh, short synopsis here: Basket Case is about a man who um, moves the basket case. Yes, moves to the, the end. moves to the big city of New York, and he's just got this mysterious basket with him, and we don't know what it is. And he's got a terrible haircut. That's <laughs> uh, uh, up for debate. <laughs> in my state of baldness, I'd take it. Um, the carpet match the drapes. <laughs> hey, clearly you haven't been to a rat concert. <laughs> So um, he's carrying this basket around with him. He moves to New York City. He seems like this rube, you know, like, oh, gosh, what's this guy doing here? And uh, I love that it's just old school, filthy New York. You know, I right thought there. I wrote down the same thing. I was like, this is the New York that I remember <laughs> from movies when I was it's a kid. It's the New York I want to see. Yeah. This is the New York that made me afraid to visit New York. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so just dirty Times Square. Um He's got this basket that he carries with him, and spoiler alert, in that basket is his... Balls. Yes, <laughs> huge. Um, his Siamese twin brother, his conjoined... Conjoined twin. Conjoined is twin. proper nomenclature, dude? <laughs> that is not the preferred nomenclature. These are not the men who built the railroads, Walter. <laughs> um, so uh, it is his conjoined twin that's been separated from him, and they are in town to get revenge on the doctor's who separated them. Tale as old as time, you know. Um, <laughs> True. So, uh, guys, let loose. Well, I ate my twin in the womb. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Is I had a great part? open and a great first kill. Like, oh yeah. as soon as the movie starts, I'm like, okay, all right, I, you know, I'm in. I'm in to watch the rest of this. So I thought that was, I thought that was awesome. Um, I, I've always enjoyed Basket Case. Um, definitely, it does not feel like an '80s movie at all. It feels '70s. <clears throat> yeah, very '70s. I'm impressed that, like, rewatching some of the movies we did for for the recent podcast, that as a kid I obviously didn't mind independent films, because um, it's very independent. Um, Mister Fancy Pants. Not the best special <laughs> effects, but like when I first saw this movie, it didn't matter. Like, I thought it was pretty shocking when they revealed what's in the basket. Um, and it hangs dong. Like, what more do you want? <laughs> That's all Todd's looking That's for. That's all he's looking for in a movie, folks. I, weird thing in a basket? Hangs dong. <laughs> weird baby looking thing. His, his brother named Belial. Belial. Famous demon name. Uh... Looking like Bib Fortuna from Return <laughs> yes, of the Jedi. I have no doubt on that. Very much. Um, this is, uh, this is one of the ultimate just midnight movies. Um, it's, uh, I think it's at this point proven to be timeless. I mean, we're now approaching enough time to where if this is still holding people's attention, um, and kind of translating the charm that it has still onto the screen, I think that, that we're into that territory. I, I, um, I really like this first one. I think that. You know, as you guys mentioned, it's a perfect snapshot um, of the heyday of the grit, but at the same time, the culture and character that New York New York embodied through the 70s. Um, you got movies like Maniac that'll also capture that. There's a few others, but this is one of the more accessible ones um, that has moments of uh, humor. And the, I think the real masterful thing about this movie, which I bet you guys didn't expect anyone to use the word masterful for any basket case <laughs> entry, is uh, is that I to me this is 
a parody of exploitation films, but at the same time, it's a love letter. And I think that it's very difficult to translate that effectively. Mm -hmm. And I think that they do because you still have the goods delivered. You still have the sleaziness um, ranging from, you know, the sheets being pulled off a woman who's sleeping nude. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have Dwayne laughing at the bar, almost tongue in in cheek, talking about the history of his, uh, his, you know, conjoined condition, uh, brother and their history. So it's like, it, it, it almost parodies all of the tropes of exploitation films, but at the same time, it's never the butt of the joke. And I think that's what makes it so special. Mm -hmm. I respect the fact that it's an independent movie. It didn't have the best budget. They made they, it work, though. They did what they could with the effects, and they made it work. Yep. And I have an immense respect for that. For right. this, I'm, this I'm sure in 82, movie. also, like the, the scenes where it's like stop animation, that's probably pretty shocking for that time period. Certainly. And that wouldn't have been easy at that time well, for an independent filmmaker who had no money to incorporate you know, stop motion. And animation. now we and now we could kind of shit on using stop motion animation, but we had just in a recent episode talked about the Terminator. They used the same technique in that yeah. movie when it's the exoskeleton well, chasing after Linda Hamilton. And the same thing applies to this that I think that it does if we're watching a movie from nineteen twenty one. A good movie is a good movie. And that transcends time. Mm-hmm. And I think this is uh, you know, no exception to that rule. There's enough charm and character and heart within this story that it, it carries over just fine um and so you'll have those moments where Belial looks a little ridiculous sure or we've got Dwayne being grabbed by his junk and suspended <laughs> in air but you're sold at that point because you're invested in the movie you're invested in the charm and there's almost a, a homegrown authenticity to it because we're like in this tenement almost you know mm-hmm. where we've got People that are neighbors that almost feel like this isn't a movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were actually just down in in the city. And so I think that if nothing else, it's an interesting snapshot of the time that'll make any weaknesses to the film almost be forgiven. I love that the clerk at the hotel looks like Bob Hoskins and John Belushi (laughs) had a baby together. (laughs) I feel like uh, I, uh, I feel like at the end, like the where the prostitutes are on the street, I'm like. I'm sure those weren't actresses. <laughs> I read that this was actually a documentary, but they're not allowed to tell you that. <laughs> you have to tell it's fictitious. <laughs> yeah, no, that main guy at the hotel looks like how I'm going to feel in my 40s. <laughs> You're almost there. Getting close. So, yes, you're right. There's a great murder intro. Um, I love that he goes to visit the first doctor, and he just he uses like a... Did he use his real name? He uses an alias. Yeah, he uses an alias, and he goes in and he shows him the scar just to freak him out, right? And then we find out the doctors are connected. But then when they find Belial in his apartment, it's a great reveal, and it's a great murder. I mean, it's a great kill. Also, if you notice the doctor's names. I'm glad you guys looked at me on that. The names of the doctors, Dr. Cutter. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of tongue-in-cheek with it. Oh yeah, but still, it's so good. And yeah, you're right that there are great kills in this. Yeah. Movie. Oh yeah. Great kills in this movie. He and Belial have a psychic connection because mm-hmm. 
how is this such a common theme in movies from the eighties <laughs> of a psychic connection? Right. It was real. Well, that's <laughs> it's I, a documentary. I think also what makes this film so effective is that Hen and Lauder really didn't lean too heavily on any one theme within the film. So you have things that are very popular in film all kind of existing around each other. You have a revenge story. Revenge stories are always cinematically rewarding. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in many ways you have a coming of age sibling uh, loyalty kind of situation Mm -hmm. there. That's always also very cinematic. So I think that the combination of those two things alone, and then you mix in kind of the slice of life uh, with the neighbors within the building and the existence in New York in that era. And it's just all these elements come together to make it hard to get bored. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is, uh, I think, pretty impressive for a movie of its budget and time. And I feel like about the minute you're going to get bored, you walk in and Balau's in the girlfriend's cuckoo. <laughs> and for those of you playing Midwest Monsters Bingo, uh, Coot Coot has been on Coot 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 Square. <laughs> Which, um, which I, I did. Uh, I did almost forget about that scene, and I was like, "He is, he is hunching her, right?" <laughs> so uh, I love the psychic connection that when the brother is out and meeting that girl and having a good time, Belial gets very loses upset. his shit. Yeah, he goes full Tardis, <laughs> full Tardis, and destroys the room, and then murders the thief that tries to come in and mongoloid rampage. <laughs> yes. Um, but then we get the backstory. We find out that they were conjoined twins, uh, and their mom died in childbirth. And, uh, they had these doctors come in to do this procedure that no one else would do. It was under the shadow of night and they, they cut them loose. And then how do they get revenge on their father? They saw him in half. (laughs) That scene to me made the movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, then you're right. We get onto a rapey Belial later towards the end of the film where uh, he's not happy that his brother has a girlfriend. And then, uh, sadly, Belial kills the girlfriend. He do definitely get rapey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he was an insider. Well. In a way, he destroyed the region. So then, how does it end? Oh, with our showdown in, in their room? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that gets wild. Uh, one of the high points, one of the more memorable moments is when Belial has him grabbed by the groin and lifted in the air. Uh, but basically, their battle goes back and forth between in the room, uh, which then results in them ending out hanging off, uh, was it one of the stair grates out there or whatever? Or a neon sign yeah. or something like that. Neon yeah. sign, you're yeah. right. Um, and we basically have Belial hanging on and hanging our brother Dwayne. And it's quite the sight to see. I don't think the sign exists anymore. Some people went down to the area where they filmed it, but um, it's wild. Yeah. He hangs him out there and then they both drop and we presume that they're both gone. Yeah. It ends with them laid out on the pavement, splattered out. Belial's bleeding out. Brother's strangled. They fall to their death. Yeah. So that's the first basket case film. I think this film Great midnight movie. It I, is. I, it went on. It had a huge cult following, which is what led to the sequels. Yeah. Eight years later. Yeah, which is crazy. 
All right, that being said, let's roll right into Basket Case Part D. 1990. Eight years later. Kevin Van Hinter returns as Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> Professor, how, how, how was that last name? Hittenrick. Thank you. Hit and run. And <laughs> so he returns as Dwayne, and Beverly Bonner opens the movie as Casey. Which made me well, she so was kind excited. Of pre- she was like a precursor of the like, what had happened? <laughs> yeah, but it made me excited. I was like, oh, holy shit, they got yep. the same actress. And then I'm like, well, this is actually the same guy from the first movie. Like that, to me, I hate when you recast somebody. Yeah. I that bothers me immensely. In and and, and the movie opens. But I'm so with, happy with. That. I don't know why I love it, but I love sequels where the beginning opens where the first one ended. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Carry it right on. You know, especially like you, even 19, 1990, Obviously, VHS was in, in its heyday, but uh, you know, early '80s, most people didn't have VCR, so you know, you always had the usually the opening of a sequel was the the end of the last one. Mm-hmm. Um. This one also stars uh, Annie Ross as singer, as Miss Granny uh, Ruth, uh, and uh, David M.G. Am I saying it right? Who I did not know was in this movie till I looked it up. Uh, so Dawn of the Dead fans, he was the Half Moon, or the, ah, he looked ah. like the thing that uh, played the the Mac Tonight. <laughs> yes, right. That's exactly my note. Looking like Doug Jones playing Mac Tonight. Or Mac at Midnight. I don't know. I Mac tonight is Mac what I always thought it was. Um, how about we fight about it? Yeah, throw down. <laughs> Sorry, uh, thoughts of this one? Or I was going to say, too, Ted Sorrell plays a detective in this. He was also in From Beyond. Oh. He is our crazy-ass professor. Um, and then we also got um, Frank Hinlater. 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 Why am I saying the names? Just say the names. I so right on director he wrote all three. So, something yeah. that I would I didn't comment on in the first one, and I, I think it, we're, we're it can on be, part two. Yeah, I know that we can that carries over <laughs> on the part two. It's not number in saying that Belial has definitely improved as far as the creature effect goes, but along with the first one, I think it's kind of an underrated creature in a movie. This whole Belial thing, I think, mm-hmm. just the design and the puppetry and all that kind of thing. I think that uh, I think it's underrated. I think I think the creature itself is rather underrated and often overlooked. That's just me because I'm one of those nerds. I like creature effects. Uh, he looks great in this one. Belial does. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you stop motion in the first one, but then I think budget wise, like things opened up a little bit for creature effects. And it's on so Belial. simple. I mean, it's a puppet. It, it's a very simple thing, but it's very effective. And considering uh, two and three were made straight to video, and they were like, I think they came out a few months apart. Also, um, I think it's cool too that, like, for a little midnight movie, that Universal picked up the sequels. Mm-hmm. So we've got continuity with this film. This film picks up exactly where the first film left off, and uh, they are whisked away. Well, they end up in a in a hospital. That's right. They're whisked away to a hospital uh, with someone with private interests for people who are freaks, freaks, if you will. <laughs> Which um, I'm, I'm curious to see what Vinny thought of too. 
I, I was thinking of him a lot. Well, yeah. let me. I want to pause right here and say this film did remind me just a little bit because of the freaks living in this house. It reminded me a little bit of Nightbreed. Same year. Freaks living together. Oh, absolutely. And it also reminded me of Digging Up the Marrow, you mm-hmm. know, the secret place where they can go and be, be safe. You've still never seen that? Nope. Get on it. Kill yourself. Come on. <laughs> Come on, no. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> so let's let Vinny, the our resident freak show expert, uh, our resident freak, resident freak of the week, baby looking thing, freak. Of the I, I, I do have a history of being very in, interested in circus sideshows and things like that. And while I, I think that the uh, intent is still intact with this movie and Belial. And his brother being accepted into this group of misfits, I will say that I found the makeups to be way over the top, way over the Ooh. top to the point that it kind of took me out of the movie. Yeah. Um, like I say, I get the intent, and I think all that works, but I just think the the creature design was was so over the top that it takes you out of the movie because it's so far removed from reality and the one that really sticks out to me is the one with the the teeth i was thinking that. those giant teeth that kind of spiral on the head it just i wish the makeup wasn't so absurd i kind of like the makeup and actually kind of like two better than the first one. Oh, oh you're out of your mind gosh. get out of my home oh <laughs> two is two was fun I'm glad y'all got to enjoy Todd's last episode. On <laughs> Rob, the Rob Galuzzo from Shockwaves would agree. Yeah, you like what you like. So, you know, one one was the more serious approach, but two was a better film. You're out of your mind. I'm not. <laughs> and you know what? If Good they wouldn't have been so over the top, then you would be like, it just copied Freaks. Or it just copied Freaked. Or like all the other I don't movies. Think so. I don't think I would. Well, uh, hey, what about that crazy guy running the freak show with the bad teeth who claimed that he had the brothers in his possession and he looked like the crazy old version of Henry Rollins? I did like that character and I liked his whole setup. Like, it's classic carny con man that's freak what, show guy. That's what that's Vinny's retirement plan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've got this house of freaks. Um, I gotta say. The photographer kill. I love that one. In this film. Masterful. Yeah, that was great. Masterful. You got a reporter, so uh, more just to the film as a reporter, uh, trying to get the scoop, trying to find out where these these two have, have escaped to. And so the reporter is out looking for him. She's got a photographer, and the photographer decides he's going to just barge in, sneak in, and get some photos, and he's up in the attic, and uh, he's snapping photos and he gets a little more than he bargained for and through his flash he sees the freaks so he keeps hitting his flash and hitting his flash and they keep getting closer and getting closer and it's an amazing scene it's a great scene yeah it's very effective yeah i almost wish they would have introduced all of them that way oh yeah like that would have been the reveal held off until that I thought that would have been great. I, we could I, do, I do feel like they revealed the uh, other freaks too quickly. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And in too bright of light, like they, they, I think they just revealed too much. And I understand when you set a certain amount of your budget aside and you give somebody a task of creating something, uh, 
and they create all these different makeups, they absolutely want their work to be seen. And I yeah. get that. I get that. And well, even before the film came out, though, like especially the one with the teeth, like, he was the cover of Fango. And maybe that's why I'm more excited about two. Yeah. As I was, you know, the part one I discovered on my own. Um, I had never heard of the movie. And then part two was like something Fango really pushed. And then you, you know, kind of like Nightbreed and stuff. You saw the, you saw the, the freaks way before you ever saw the film. So yeah, the face with the rubber worms hanging out of it was the absolute. I think that worst, one was a little lazy. worst makeup in the entire. <laughs> I couldn't tell if he was supposed to just have worms or if he was Jamaican. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I got worms. It looked like he had dreadlocks. No, that's what we're gonna call face. it. What about the one that looked like he just had a bunch of nut sacks hanging on his face? <laughs> that was that, that uh, baby looking thing. <laughs> but uh, another great scene is uh, the reporter's apartment. Ooh, no, I was thinking of in the bar when it's slowly revealed yes. that all the freaks are they in the bar. Turn around. They all turn around. That was a great one. What about uh, another little conjoined twin who just happens <laughs> to be a female i she's very she doesn't, she doesn't have arms but has a big leg i felt that one coming a mile away oh yeah like that it was too obvious i thought can I, can but I, I, but i never feel awkward watching any movie ever but for some reason my my dad walks in i'm pretty sure it was stone it walks in and just hears grunting and it's two little basket cases. It's Belial. Belial getting guts. That Belial. scene. All up in that eve. Man. I laughed deep in the coop. So hard. Coop, coop. At watching those two. Two oh, conjoined. And the best part is it's a puppet, but that woman's head I swear is it's live action in the whole thing. Life is a series of choices. <laughs> How have I, I, I ended up here? I went from Falcon Crest to like this thing. Oh, oh man! Yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't a, a brief scene either. It was. It was pretty long. It was very long. Oh, longer. it was. Yeah, it was for the audience enjoyment, boy. And then also too, uh, the brother is trying to to bed his lady friend, and who's pregnant? Who is pregnant? Has been for, for six years. For six years, he the doesn't baby want to come out the cuckoo. And so. Uh, yeah, this creature comes out. He just lost it. He can't handle it anymore because the theme is he now feels free. Like Belial has his group that he can belong to and that he can go live his life. And he just can't get away with it. He has this new love interest and comes to find out she a freak too with a little creature baby that pops out of her stomach. Uh, so the brother just goes nuts. He goes insane and uh, he knocks her out the window. Yeah, they get, she knocks her out the window, so we've got another what seems like window crash ending, right? And so it goes to the window, lands on the picnic table where the freaks are gathering. Uh, I love the idea of freaks having a picnic, by the way. And uh, Do you love the hand puppet that popped out of her belly? <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> and he goes to get Belial. And he says, well, I can't be happy, you can't be happy. And he takes a ball of yarn... And some crochet needles, and he is going to reattach Belial yes. to himself. To which he basically successfully does to end the film. Did you know that this was the same effects team as Frankenhooker? They were filmed at the same time. <laughs> yeah. He was doing simultaneous. Oh, doesn't surprise me. Which so, I've never seen Frankenhooker. 
love it. Well, I love it as much as brain damage and basket uh, <laughs> case. Oh, man. Hen and Lauder. Any other things to say on... Just, I'm interested just in everybody's general thoughts on it, on this sequel. So, it was a bit of a letdown from the first film. Agreed. But, uh, as I'm nice. searching for the Blu-ray to purchase on eBay or Amazon... I got all three. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I love the first impo- film. It was an import. But I might get the trilogy for the price range. I mean, for yeah. the cost. I mean, I can Some get apps, the first I think, film. did the sequel. So, I, I found a, an... Or at least put them out An recently. import well, of the trilogy. trilogy. Oh, they have them all in a trilogy? Yeah. yeah it's so uh, region-free UK. Oh, okay. I was gotcha. going to say it's region-free. Plays all three. Um, and they released one through three individually, but... I think yeah, I the American releases individually. The one I bought, nice. I think, was seventeen dollars. Had all three. Arrows release of the first one is killer. Yeah, I it's saw got that so too. much shit on it with it, including Basket Case three and a half, which Ooh. is a little short that Hen and Lauder did for that release. So I'm on the fence because I'm like, I'll probably really only watch the first one again, but there are parts about the second one that I think have merit that I would want. Carrie to see, you know, right. my wife that I would want to show her at least the second film. We'll get into the third film, but so yeah. you you enjoyed them enough, yeah. You liked the second one better than the first. Thoughts in general? Uh, I liked one? I liked one 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 impressed me. Uh, two, I mean it's it's typical sequel. You know what I mean? Like right. obviously, I it, it wasn't as good as the first. Uh, I was put off by the over the top makeups um but all in all two was still fun enough for me that uh i enjoyed it it was definitely a 90s sequel too that where they became fun like seemed like when they got a hold of horror films in the 90s they became fun. they started to poke fun at them a yeah. little bit right yeah I, with two and three like not to get ahead of myself for the third but i kind of feel the same about both i'm glad that they exist uh the world that Hen and Lauder created is interesting enough to warrant more and the relationship between Dwayne and Belial. But at the same time, I feel like the magic lies within the first one. Oh, big time. The second one I like, and this is actually disagreeing with Vinny a little bit. I like the over the top nature of them because we didn't get anywhere near close to home on actual people with afflictions. I like that we went bizarro with it. Yeah. And so we still get to tell the same story without having to sober it up with, you know, kind of bearded more ladies realistic and lobster things. boys. Yeah. And, but at the same time, on the flip side, I like kind of the love letter to freaks because this movie mirrors so much of that film. Sure. Um, and so while it doesn't knock my socks off, I'm glad they made it. It's fun to be able to marathon the three. Mm-hmm. But the first one, to me, is where the real charm is. And you immediately lose that with this one. And then the other sequel that followed quickly after. Yeah. Well, the first one was gritty, too. And then they, they the sequels take place outside of New York. Right. Right. And so... Which yeah, probably the... is smart, because if they would have tried to... At, at 1990, you couldn't have recreated the, oh, right. the grittiness of New York so much. that they did in 82. Oh, yeah. All right. Rolling in to the big conclusion. The progeny. Basket case three. The progeny. Just a year later, right? 91. Yes. 1991. Again, continuity with this film. 
And that uh, we end with the crash and the reattachment. The sex. <laughs> oh, uh, don't forget the sex. Belial and Eve, his lady's name. And uh, Belial and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can we make that sure? <laughs> That's that's a breakthrough, Toddy. I love it. I love it. Um, so uh, we open this film with the freaks taking a road trip. Well, it picks up where the second one ends. So we find uh, that it's a few months later, and that they that he had reattached them. So they unattached them, <laughs> right? And um, Dwayne has has kind of been out of it for a few months. And is uh, I don't know if he's like becoming more aware of what's going on, or he's just trying to like fake it to get out of there. But but we we enter a few months later. A few months later, right? And he's a little. You're right, a little out of it. What, how about this road trip, though? <laughs> well, we have to take the road trip because somebody's gonna have a baby. Oh, who's the lucky lady? <laughs> Eve. Eve. Belial and Eve are blessed <sighs> with a pregnancy. Which is kind of like a large ball sack with a hand, so. <laughs> <laughs> to me, in this movie, the budget cut is immediately noticeable. <laughs> immediately. Even from one year apart, this this looks much cheaper <laughs> than Basket Case, too. Um, <laughs> professor... Uh, um, it still have some has some moments <laughs> of, that adds to the Belial legacy. Yeah. So for that, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm glad it exists. Uh, specifically, the mechanical contraption that we've got Belial in later. So for that reason alone, I'm glad that this movie looking was like made. Krang from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> exactly. But um, at That's this point. Dad. I, you know, you kind of cut the enjoyment in half from the first to the second, and at this point, I'm 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 spread a little thin. They're milking like the cow. Mar- yeah, I like to point. marathon them, but at this point, it's like, okay, you really kind of told the whole story in the first film, and we kind of pulled the rabbit out of the hat for the second one, and now we're kind of really spreading that out. I and do it, love just, though that know, they are able to get return actors. Yes, like I, I that I, I love about yeah. the movies is that they are able to get returning actors. And that's rather the key. Than like, if you can do that, I'll watch quite so, a few sequels. Yep. If you've got the same, I think if you've come it. this far, you need to watch three. Yeah. Oh, when, yeah, when I started definitely. watching oh, yeah. it, I remember so much of two. Like, in fact, I thought two and three was when I started rewatching it. I realized what I thought was two and three was part two, and then I realized why three was just unforgettable. Three is. If you enjoy, if you enjoy, th- if you enjoy things like Sharknado, you will enjoy it's, Basket Case. 3. You can have fun with it, but it's it is. It's, I didn't remember anything in the movie. It's bad. Let's just get that out there. Yeah. This movie is bad. Yeah. <laughs> but we can't gloss over the musical number. Oh, I wish we would actually. As soon as it, I saw a musical, I was like, ugh, ugh, a musical number, ladies God. and gentlemen. You heard right. A musical uh, number in Basket Case 3. So bad. So bad. <laughs> uh, so um, they're on the road because Eve is pregnant and she is going to give birth. 
And they get there, and Belial is so freaked out that he attacks the doctor. <laughs> Benny, I'm sure you did the same when your son was born. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a rite of passage, actually. You've got to fuck up the doctor. Yeah. Uh, and then Eve goes on to give birth to not one, not two, nay, a dozen children. Twelve! <laughs> Twelve babies. Twelve Belial babies. Twelve. Belial Eve babies. I at Bought this point, baby. as soon as <laughs> cash, as soon as they, they just keep coming, and it gets to twelve, and it's like as if the musical number hasn't tipped the hat enough for me. I was like, "Holy fuck, this is a shitter!" Look at where we've came come to in just three movies. Boy, oh boy, ugh, <laughs> just terrible. But what about her, what about uh, Roos' gigantic son Bailey? Oh man, <laughs> that's God. when you know you're watching something special. I, I one of my notes is literally this may be the worst movie I have ever seen. <laughs> uh, again, I always say that's because you haven't seen Ghoulies Four. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say worst movie ever. It's nah. pretty fucking bad. Nah. <laughs> Nah. Y'all got me dropping f bombs like crazy on this. Yeah, yeah dang. What and I, I did enjoy that Beverly Bonner again pops up as a mm-hmm. fast food worker. She's still got a stage show going in New York. This is where, a basket case musical. Well, no, she <laughs> takes her character and makes it her own thing on what she's doing. Forty oh, years man. later. <laughs> nice. That sounds like box office poison. <laughs> sounds like a nice afternoon, you yeah. cynical bastard. Yeah, right. <laughs> she'd calm down. Um. So, uh, friends, I've got bad news for you. Eve gets shot. Uh, We've got some overzealous cops. Uh, One cop even throws his daughter into prison. uh, Where there's some weird S&M stuff going on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about weird. Dad's like, you gotta quit doing this to my prisoners. It's like, what? (laughs) Um, Yeah, and in the end, as the Venomous One has already said, uh, Belial... uh, Looks like Krang from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I did have that in my notes. That's the last thing I have in my notes. So if anyone wants to wrap Freaks this up. Freaks are here to stay. Oh, yeah. If anyone wants to wrap this bad boy up for us, uh, take the There's a scene. I'm, I'm, I'm interpreting my notes because I may have been inebriated when I watched this. Uh, <laughs> when dude falls and all the spiders come out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet note, sweet note. Yeah, anybody want for to this, that for me? If you've made it this far, if you go on a trip, you gotta drive home, finish it <laughs> off. Yeah, you can't watch one. It's two. only three. Yeah, and the first two are salvageable. So yeah. you're not killing. You're not hurting yourself with three. I, I, you know, I would still be if if revisited this series and kind of took it back a little bit. I think I'd be on board. And definitely back again. Like it's weird to me. Some of the movies people are like. You know what we should remake is a movie everybody loves and was a success. Like, if you gave me money to remake a movie, I would pick a movie. So, like were you Kings. saying that you would enjoy a remake that goes back further into the story? My understanding. You know, or is. like, because here's the thing like, I don't think he's done a movie in a while, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not already cooking like some kind of basket case. And if it kind of like, two was fun. I think after three, you need to kind of go back to the roots of the first movie. So, yeah, maybe, it, maybe it could be like a different different set of twins or something. And that's, I think ultimately the mistake with all of the other quote unquote freaks 
uh, that we join up with in the sequels is that the story was compelling enough with Dwayne and Belial that we really didn't need Honestly, that two much was, two was added fun. to it. Two was fun. I think the third one they should have left. They should have left and and went somewhere. Like it should have went in a different direction. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's what made the first one so great though is how they got the story three was. movies out of a premise and, about and, a guy carrying around his right removed conjoined twin. And, and, and something, <laughs> you know something I mean? else too is you know cult cult movies are cult movies for a reason. You can't strike lightning twice, such as the Rocky Horror sequel Shock Treatment. Um, typically sequels to these movies don't work. So the fact that again, that they did get three out of them, I don't know. I would still recommend like, uh, this movie's not for everybody. Even the first one. Um, I feel like, especially a lot of the people I know, again, you know, we have friends that don't like exorcists, so I don't know how I would sell them on basket case, but. Oh, but the problem is there are people who love Basket Case and hate Exorcist. <laughs> yeah. Let's be fair. This is true. There are people who will defend Basket Case 3 and shit on Exorcist. That's this the world true. we live in. Yep. Either way, we know they're not enjoying anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, boy. Yes, I echo a lot of things around this table. Basket Case 1 really stole my heart. And and uh, we were talking. I, I compare this to the It's Alive trilogy, which absolutely I, I I didn't care much for the It's Alive trilogy, just period. Not even the first film. Uh, I you know I would watch this film this, this trilogy every year uh, instead of watching It's Alive. Well, every day. It's Alive. I like the first not, basket not, case more than any of. Not to get into It's either. Alive again, but honestly, I think you're more annoyed with the noises from the baby in that. Uh, and Belial is a bit that, but it's not an onslaught of annoying sound. And you know, effects. we never hear. You know, we never hear really what he's saying to his brother. It's, it's his brother talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How about in Basket Case Three when that dude falls down and lands on one of Belial's babies, <laughs> oh. and it pops like a zit? Oh, oh man! <laughs> <laughs> Got me tickled. <laughs> So you found something enjoyable <laughs> out of Basket Case Three. Um, but yeah, overall, like I would, I would take this every day of the week over the It's Alive trilogy. Yeah, I agree. Maybe an unfair comparison. I wouldn't say the sequels necessarily, would you but be... the first film, Basket Case, is better than anything. Would you be interested in a It's Alive versus Basket Case movie? Ooh. Oh, sci-fi. Yeah. Where are you at? Uh, yeah. If you start a Kickstarter for that, I'm yeah. donating. Take, take my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Baby versus baby. All right. So, wrapping up for Basket Case, I've got to tell people, watch the first film. For sure. If you love it, hit the second film. If it at least kept your interest, finish the race. Yep. Right. Right. Yep. First one, worth anybody's time, though. If, they're, if yep. you're a genre fan, put it on. And the second one is redeemable enough. I think just be prepared. Tonally, it's a completely different oh, yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Game changer. Yep. Game changer. I but mean, if you like Nightbreed, you like Basket Case, you like, you like Lighthearted, yeah. Yeah. Go with it. Yeah. Just, 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 just go with it. Just go with it. So, all right. Wrapping it up for the Basket Case trilogy. Um, one of your hosts, Belial Fanatic, <laughs> Grizzly Abner, joined by. Dwayne fanatic, <laughs> Professor Wagstaff. Venomous <laughs> Benny. Hot toddy. Stay scary. Hashtag.